fantasy football today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Eve. I am so fired up for today. It's Thursday, January 3rd, our second podcast of the offseason. First one with Dave Richard. Dave, welcome back from your... Uh, few days off of enjoying some rest and relaxation you were fired up just now you made a fist with your hand you were uh you were excited about this i'm excited about this week's games i think there's going to be some great ones. oh i'm not excited about this week's games i'm excited about today this is the ultimate podcast tease i'm about to give you i am excited about our first mock draft of the 2019 season but we're not going to talk about it on today's show hasn't because it happened hasn't, yet that's right it hasn't happened yet we are going to do it this afternoon but that's what we're going to get into next week so there's the super tease for the podcast. As you are well aware, Adam Azer is not with us once again. He is enjoying his family, as he should, for the next few weeks. I want to thank Will Brinson for joining us on Monday for Fantasy Football Today. Uh, we had a great time breaking down the Week 17 slate, looking at some of the coaching fires. I'm going to get Dave's opinion on some of that in a minute. I want to give you the show rundown. We're going to go over some news and notes, get into our top 12 running backs for 2019, look ahead to this weekend's games, give you some playoff challenge rankings, and go over some DFS suggestions for those four games. As Dave alluded to, he's very excited, as am I. And then we will answer your emails and your tweets. We're going to do rapid-fire Twitter. I asked for a bunch of uh, Twitter for uh, some Keeper and Dynasty questions on Twitter this morning, an hour before the show started. We're doing this about 11.15 a.m. again on Thursday, January 3rd. And I got like over 100 questions. It's amazing how many people are still so interested and so excited about fantasy football, looking ahead to the 2019 season, as are we. Like I said, we're going to do a, a fun mock draft that we will break down next week. Um, I just want to tell you, again, to uh, to thank Will Brinson for joining us. You can compete against Will and the Pick 6 crew in the Pick 6 Playoff Pick'em Game Challenge. Uh, it's a playoff challenge. You can find it at cbssports.com slash pick6. Uh, go there. You can compete against Will in making picks straight up uh, in the playoffs. I hope I'm explaining that right. If not, I apologize, Eric Kay who I'm sure is listening, but uh, go to cbsports.com slash pick six. You can compete in the pick six playoff pick em challenge. It's a fun game uh, where uh, you can compete against Will and the pick six crew, and I'm sure Dave and I will take part as well. Let's get into the news and notes. Uh, the biggest news dominating the NFL right now is not the playoff games. It is Antonio Brown, who has apparently requested a trade, not happy with uh, how things went down at the end of the season. We know all the stories by now. Dave throwing the ball at Ben Roethlisberger, reportedly Roethlisberger saying there's no beef. Uh, was he hurt? Was he not hurt? Did he leave the team? Uh, it's just one big mess. Uh, Mike Tomlin was kind of noncommittal about it, uh, about maybe wanting Antonio Brown back, not wanting Antonio Brown back. How do you see this all playing out? He, he didn't, he let the media infer that Antonio Brown quit on the team. I don't think they can bring him back. I think it's, it's going to take a lot of work. I know that there are some serious salary cap ramifications by trading him. I'm trying to get through that in my mind right now. There's a great article by Ed Bouchette of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette that explains why it wouldn't be such a bad cap hit. I could read it to you, or you could just see it for yourself. But it sounds like it's legitimately on the table that this that Antonio Brown has been a malcontent before, and Tomlin's covered for him, and he's doing it again. Well, Brown's being a malcontent again, but Tomlin doesn't seem to be covering for it. He said he tried reaching out to him calling him uh Antonio's agent Drew Rosenhaus called him the day of the game telling him that Antonio was going to show up but Tomlin told Rosenhaus he's not going to play 
I, I think it's a fractured relationship. It's going to take Antonio Brown, you know, coming back with his tail between his legs to try and stay in Pittsburgh. And short of that, I, I don't see a way where he's back and it's all water under the bridge so easily, which means that he's going to change teams, going to change quarterbacks, going to have have to build that chemistry all over again with a whole new quarterback. And I think it's going to crush him. I think it's going to make his numbers go due south. We'll see what happens. But for now, I would not expect Antonio Brown to be on the Steelers. I'm going to go the opposite. I do expect him back with the Steelers because I don't think they're going to get fair value in return for him. And why would you trade somebody who's still been so productive in his prime? I don't think this is a situation that they can't work out um, based on what the Steelers track record has been based on, like you said, they've covered up for him uh, time times before. They've already lost one key playmaker in Le'Veon Bell. They're not going to get a first-round pick for Antonio Brown because he's going to be 31 years old. It's not like Amari Cooper and a team like Dallas is going to overpay for him um, based on where he's at with his salary. So I'd be surprised if he's traded. So let's just assume he's back with Pittsburgh. You have him as your number one wide receiver. If that's still the case, he's back with Pittsburgh in 2019. Is he still number one overall for you at that position? I think so. Okay. I think if honestly, if they and the Steelers could address it, I think Antonio Brown would have to eat some serious humble pie to do it. But he'd come back. I still think he'd be that guy because let's face facts: six straight years with 100 plus catches, the most consistent receiver in fantasy over that time. I. I can't get away from him if he's in this offense with this quarterback, a situation that's just been developed over time, works out well for him. We talked about this with Will on Monday, and, and we'll get Heath's take on it because Heath is the one who has Juju Smith-Schuster over Antonio Brown. I have Brown third behind Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins. Heath's rankings, I don't know the first five in order, but I know he has Juju at six and Antonio Brown at seven. If you're just looking at it, and we wrote about the rankings on the site, you can check that out on cbsports.com. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, more targets, more catches, more yards than Antonio Brown this season. That could be a trend that becomes a little bit of a problem. Dave doesn't think that will be the case. I'm getting a little bit nervous. Heath is already there. He has Juju Smith-Schuster ahead of Antonio Brown. Could it come to pass that Roethlisberger decides, all right, Antonio Brown's back. I'm still going to focus more on Juju because Juju's cooler with me than A.B. has been. I don't think that's going to be a case. I think it'll be who's open and who's making plays. And for this past season, Juju was a little bit more open than Brown because Brown draws more attention. Juju Smith-Schuster said that himself. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a situation where you're starting to have other options on the field and you're seeing that outside of the touchdown. So that could be an area where you want, want to be a little bit concerned or maybe not. Uh, Giants GM Dave Gettleman was noncommittal on Eli Manning's future. With the Giants going into 2019, his quote is, I'm committed to making the best decision in the interest of the Giants. We're in the evaluation process. I know you want answers now. So Eli had a good season, not a great season. He was a bad fantasy quarterback, obviously. But he closed the year with uh, at least 22 or more fantasy points in two of his last four games. Um, no Odell Beckham for uh, four of those. So you're lo- looking at uh, Eli next season. In regards to Saquon Barkley, who's uh, our consensus number two overall pick, number two running back, Odell Beckham, who's a top six wide receiver for all of us, top seven, I think maybe for Heath, I'm not sure, but uh, I think top six for all three of us. And obviously Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard. Um, if it's a rookie quarterback or Laletta, how do you approach the Giants offense next year? Basically the same. Uh, if, if they were this, if, if Saquon was able to accomplish what he just did with Eli and they're going to change it to a rookie quarterback or you know, uh, whatever journeyman quarterback. I, I'm sure it'll be just about the same. I think the offensive line will get better. I think it could hurt Odell. We'll have to see. But for now, I'm focused on Saquon, and I think he's going to be great. I hope so. I hope they improve the offensive line. That's more of a concern for me than the quarterback at this point because I don't think Eli is going to be that awful. 
for what he means to them from a fantasy perspective. Now, from a win-loss perspective, I don't think Eli's a difference maker at this point. He's more of a caretaker, game manager, not going to be somebody, if they're chasing points at a dramatic effort, that he's going to help them in the comeback effort or put them in position to be well ahead. But as we saw, Adam Azer has noted this many, many times over the latter half of the season, they became much more committed to the run. You saw Barkley's receptions come down. Again, not having Beckham for the final four games of the year is probably a big part of that. But we'll see how this offense operates next year. Again, looking at what the offensive line is, I think could be certainly very, very important. Uh, some playoff. Oh, no, I'm sorry. First, I want to get your talk, your thoughts, Dave. Um, the coaches that were fired. So we know that the Browns and Packers had already made their coaching moves in the middle of the season. After week 17, we had Tampa Bay, the Jets, Denver, Arizona, Miami, and Cincinnati all make coaching changes. Any big surprises for you in terms of who was fired there? Is it weird to say that I was surprised that Marvin Lewis finally got the axe? Like, yeah. I, what what does it take to get him fired? I guess having his quarterback and receiver and I think two-fifths of the offensive line go down and the defense not play up to snuff, I guess that's just enough to 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 get him gone in Cincinnati. No, none of, none of the other ones really surprised me. I guess Marvin Lewis doesn't surprise me either. Uh, these were all teams with some bad coaching decisions that came back to haunt them and now they've got to move forward without these guys. I I wonder how many of these franchises have a real good feel on who can replace them though. Cuz I it feels like the coaching candidates that are available aren't necessarily headline big name guys. You've got McDaniel's, he's the best. Who may or may and not McCarthy. leave. And McCarthy if he decides to coach this year, which my guess is that he will. But maybe Bruce Arians if he comes out of retirement. That would be great too. But is there a college coach? Like I, I heard that Tampa Bay was looking at Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. Yep. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald, uh, at Northwestern is going to stay at Northwestern. Lincoln Riley staying in. Like, yeah, that's Oklahoma. a good one. So I, I don't know if there are a lot of high profile coaching candidates. I think there's going to have to be a couple of teams that make good, like the football community will come out and say, Oh, that's a real great hire. Well, I think what you're seeing right now is Adam Gase is going to get another job. He was a little bit of a surprise to me just because I thought that they made clean house in the GM department, which they got rid of Mike Tannenbaum. They promoted Chris Greer. I thought that Gase would get another shot just because maybe move on from Ryan Tannehill, see if he can actually coach with a quarterback that he's not necessarily – I don't know if he was stuck with him and tried to make it work or he really believed in Ryan Tannehill. But I thought let's see what would happen there uh, with the – you know, it kind of went back and forth toward the end of the season. He was going to be fired, not be fired, and they made the decision – to move on from him. That was the really only one that stood out to me. Steve Wilkes only getting one year. You know, you, you had some rumblings that maybe he would get another shot, but they just completely right. clean house with, with all their coordinators as well. Um, so you'll see Adam Gase get another job. Vance Joseph still a candidate to go from Denver to Cincinnati. That would be interesting to see what they do there. That also would be promoting, ridiculous. Well, also promoting Hugh Jackson. I, I mean, look, you know, Vance Joseph, can he coach? Probably not, but you know, it wasn't like he was given a Denver roster with a ton of talent. He had a good defensive situation his first year there but i mean you know losing a keep to lead chris harris getting hurt you know it was really just the two pass rushers and that was kind of it and the offense was terrible i mean you know I, they made the commitment to case keenum clearly was not the right situation i would say that the drafting in denver has been part of the problem over the Very past fair. couple yep. of years yep. outside and, of chubb landing in their laps sure. right outside of that paxton so we'll lynch was a big whiff we'll see if uh, uh cincinnati does either the hugh jackson or vance joseph route which is probably something they're going to do because that's just what the Bengals do uh, but again, McCarthy's going to be a retread guy. Gase will be a retread guy. Uh, that's probably it. You'll see new head coaches. Probably Eric Bieniemy is going to be somebody who has a chance to get a job just based on what Andy yeah. Reid's coaching tree has been the last few seasons with guys like Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy. And then I, I, I guess you'll see, um, you know, Josh McDaniels maybe take a job this year 
Green Bay would be interesting. The Jets would be interesting. And certainly the Browns because of all the upside that they have with their quarterback. It's fun to see these teams because, you know, throwing in Tampa Bay as well, that they're committed to Jameis Winston. You have quarterback that's a former number one overall pick. You have Darnold with the Jets. You have Sam Rosen with the Cardinals. You have Baker with the Browns and obviously Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. A lot of teams that you step in, you don't have to find the answer to that position. Maybe Arizona is still in the discovery phase with, with Josh Rosen if he's the guy, but after drafting where they did last year, you would assume that's the case. So it'll be interesting to see how those uh, positions get filled. Also, Atlanta moving on from Steve Sarkeesian. I did not like that move at all, but there is the talk of maybe bringing back Dirk Cutter, which would at least give Matt Ryan a semblance of continuity with somebody he's worked with before, but the Sarkeesian firing was not something I was happy to see because I like Matt Ryan when he has continuity moving forward. If it's not Dirk Cutter and it's Mike Malarkey returning another, another to Atlanta, guy, yeah. you'd probably feel good about that. Uh, not so much about Mike Malarkey's offense, but in terms of Matt Ryan just having some comfort factor. But I, I think it's going to be something where uh, I have Matt Ryan, I think, like six or seven. They'll probably drop him a few spots just because I'm not excited about him not having the same guy year after year after year in an offense that was playing very well. You know, I, I didn't really agree with that move. You know, I can understand the defense if they didn't feel the injuries were a big reason why you want to move on from Mark Juan Manuel. But to get rid of Sarkeesian. Why him? Right. Yeah, I mean, Ryan's numbers were a second-best season in his career, so it was a little bit of it's, a... It's like they solved their problems in the second half of the year, and Sarkeesian still fell on the sword for it. I feel like Atlanta's one of those teams that's going in the wrong direction. Uh, maybe. I, I think getting Deion Jones and Keanu Neal and those guys back for, for a full season still gives them potential, but they're in a tough division, you know, depending on what happens with Tampa Bay and Carolina and how they rebound after these poor seasons. But obviously, if Drew Brees and Sean Payton are still there, it's going to be tough to beat the Saints mm-hmm. with how they've been looking. Uh, some playoff injuries that we're keeping an eye on, and we'll get more into this when we start to preview the games and give you some playoff challenge rankings. Melvin Gordon dealing with an ankle injury. He says he's going to play. Todd Gurley had missed the last two games with a knee injury. He says he is going to play, or at least uh, Sean McVay uh, said he'd be very surprised if Gurley did not play. Remember, they have a first-round bye. T.Y. Hilton dealing with the ankle injury. He's expected to play against the Texans. He's been dealing with his ankle injury for the better half of the season. Doug Baldwin also battling injuries all year, dealing with knee problem. He expects to be out there against the Cowboys this week. We'll see if Kiki QT can return for the Texans. He's been practicing in full, so uh, it's looking good. So he's uh, upgraded from his weeks and weeks of practicing on a limited basis. Uh, the Bears have three receivers battling injuries. Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, and Taylor Gabriel. Robinson is expected to play, dealing with the rib problem. We'll see about Miller and Gabriel, although all of them are expected to be out there. And then the fun one, which I think is probably more of interest to us, Maybe so than anything else from a fantasy perspective is will Hunter Henry play coming back from his ACL injury? Initial reports were he would play in the playoffs. Anthony Lynn said we'll still wait and see, see how he goes through practice. So that'll be a fun one to watch. I have him ranked in the playoff challenge rankings as if he's going to play, but clearly that's something you'll have to just. There was something about him being on a snap count if he does play. Yeah. I mean, it's not something you could, you could say I'm, I'm getting the Hunter Henry back that we're used to seeing, but, uh, it, again, I, I think he makes a minimal impact. From the Chargers' perspective, just because he hasn't played since the end of the 2017 season. However, we would be very encouraged to see him out there because that would be a good sign for his fantasy value going in. Seven months. Seven months after tearing his ACL. That's not bad. Going into 2019. All right. So we have already done our initial very, very early rankings for the site for 2019. Uh, It's nothing you could see on a rankings page. It's something that I wrote uh, compiling all of our rankings. You could also watch the videos. We broke those down on uh, CBS Sports HQ on Fantasy Football Today for Week 17. So we've been kind of talking about this. We'll continue to do some early preview stuff throughout the next month as we get into a little bit more diving into the uh, the 2019 season. We never stop, as you know. We keep going and going and going. There will be some vacation time for all of us, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, but we will continue to prepare for next season as 
you guys want to have all of that information getting ready. That's why you guys are all dominating your fantasy leagues because you don't wait until August to start prep preparing you would start in january so i'm going to give you the top 12 rankings for all three of us uh it's going to sound very similar uh in terms of a lot of the names there will be some differences my top 12 is todd Gurley, saquon barkley ezekiel elliott christian mccaffrey alvin Kamara, melvin gordon james connor nick chubb joe mixon dalvin cook philip Lindsay, and david johnson this is based on ppr rankings so just a quick note all three of us have the same players in our top six yep so if you wanted to break it up a little bit, just so it doesn't sound so well, there's different the orders. So, so you're, you're there's different order in the top okay, six, but I like got it, the six guys. So the right. first six guys for Dave are exactly the same. Number seven is Melvin Gordon. Number eight is Le'Veon Bell. Number nine is James Conner. Ten is Joe Mixon. Eleven is Nick. I'm sorry. Nine is Joe Mixon. Ten is Nick Chubb. Eleven is David Johnson. Twelve is Dalvin Cook. I'll repeat that again. Melvin Gordon is number. I'm sorry. Let's start that over again. Melvin Gordon's number six. Number seven is Le'Veon Bell. Eight is James Conner. Nine, Joe Mixon. Ten is Nick Chubb. Eleven is David Johnson. Twelve is Dalvin Cook. Heath has the same six guys, except his order is different. So he has Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, Christian McCaffrey at number six. Uh, I'm assuming number five. Alvin Kamara, number six. Nick Chubb, seven. Dalvin Cook, eight. Joe Mixon, nine. James Conner, ten. Le'Veon Bell, eleven. And Philip Lindsay, twelve. So again, if you want to check that out in the order, you can see it on CBSSports.com. Uh, Will Brinson and I got into this discussion on Monday, and at the time I was still Elliot over Barkley. Uh, and then after the show ended, I started doing the story, and I'm like, you know, Barkley probably makes a little bit more sense right now. Uh, but Barkley versus Elliot, I think, is going to be something a lot of people debate as the number two pick. If you look at Elliot's numbers, once Amari Cooper came on board, he outscored Saquon Barkley from basically week eight on in PPR. Now, Barkley was a star to start the season catching the ball. And again, as Adam has pointed out numerous times, they started to run the ball a little bit more. So Barkley closed the year as the number one PPR running back. He was four spots ahead of Elliott, who was number five. Elliott, again, did not play in week 17, so he may have crept up one or two spots, depending on how it all shook out. Um, you're firmly in the Saquon Barkley camp? I am. No change in your mind? Nope, I'm going to keep it this way forever, no matter what. Even I mean, as, as of now, you know, again, you, the things you look at with Elliott, we've had this conversation a few times. Elliott gets Travis Frederick back. His offensive line, I don't care what the Giants do, is going to be better than the Giants. His numbers, again, what he did catching the ball to close the season, better than Barkley did at the end of the season for both those guys. Uh, Elliott's still very much his prime, obviously going to have a chance to, to be a dominant force. And the one, biggest difference for me is the touchdowns. He scored nine total. Barkley scored 15 total. Saquon, I mean, excuse me, Elliott last year with the suspension, so over a 16-game pace, would have scored 14 touchdowns. He scored 15 total touchdowns as a rookie. I don't think there's any scenario where he scores less than 12. Can Barkley score 14 or 15 touchdowns again? Sure he could. And I think his rushing yardage could also go up. I think you'll see an improved offensive line. That'll help him out. I think you know that he's going to have a big role in the passing game. I like that he's younger. I like that he was more consistent in fantasy production this year than Ezekiel Elliott, but not over the did, last half of the season. Though. Maybe not over. Well, uh, we'd have to double check over the last half of the season from week nine on. I think it's one of them had a buy in there, so it could be week eight for one. It's their last like nine games. Uh, you're going to be right. Ezekiel Elliott was a perfect hundred percent from in his last four in his last eight games, hundred percent success rate. Whereas in his last eight games, Saquon. Six of eight with at least ten fantasy points, but he had a lot yeah, of yeah. But we're talking PPR, so it's got to be at least fourteen or more. That's true, and I'm looking at non PPR. Bottom line is this: I'm going to take the younger back. And um, what's the age on both those guys? I think that he's just going to be better. I think he's going to catch more passes than Zeke. I think they're both going to catch a lot. 
But it does make me, this is just what I'm going to do it to, but it kind of makes me want to pick third. Because then I'm just going to get the other one, whether it's Saquon or Zeke, whoever goes second, that's fine. I get whoever it is at third. And then I'm picking that spot earlier in the even rounds. How much, Bar- Barkley, how much will be, Barkley will be 22 uh, next month, early next month in February. Zeke will be 24 in July. So, And uh, again, it's, it's minimal. A lot more wear and tear on Elliott, obviously, you know, just based on what he's done in the NFL. It's, it's, uh, look, I, I'm going to change it a hundred times probably. In, in PPR right now, I'm going to stick with Barkley. As I wrote on the site, I'm going to take Elliott in non-PPR just because I do think that the touchdowns will come up for him and that will be the difference maker in those two guys. I think Barkley's touchdowns will come down, but I do think he'll be a little bit more in the passing game. It's hard to expect Elliott to be this involved. He had uh, 90 plus targets this season, which is a huge spike from where he was. Um, in the last two years. Uh, so Kamara is basically in the top six for all of us. Uh, you and I both have him at number five right now. Heath has him at number six. Um, any chance that he could creep into the top four, assuming Mark Ingram is gone based on what he's done his first two seasons? I've got him ranked as if Mark Ingram's gone. So do I. So this, this is what he is. And, you know, you talked about the lack of touchdowns for Ezekiel. And I feel like Alvin Kamara had a ton of touchdowns. Way more than what we might have predicted. Uh, he scored 18. It's a lot. I don't know if I can count on him to score that many again. I believe he scored 11 as a rookie. He's going to fall somewhere in between, and I think his yardage will be right about where it was at this year. Workload, too. Maybe yep. maybe a little more work. And just year. because they move on from Mark Ingram does not mean they're not going to bring in somebody else. I don't think they want to give Alvin Kamara... 30-plus yeah. touches a game. So, um, yeah, it, it's just something I think that kind of stands out. We had this conversation with Pete Prisco, uh, Drink, on one of our HQ programs, and he said that it would not be a surprise if Kamara is the number one running back next year, assuming that Drew Brees is back in this offense. So that's something just to keep an eye on. Great offensive line. Obviously, you know the involvement in the passing game. He went from over six yards per carry to 4.5 this year. Not a huge uh, decline from a being awful standpoint. It was a decline, clearly, in what the numbers are, but he's still very productive. And only two games... Over the course of the season, with under 10 PPR points, ironically enough, both of those were at home against Washington and against Atlanta, uh, surprisingly enough. So I think he's going to have a monster playoff performance. I think he's going to help the Saints actually win the Super Bowl. That's my Super Bowl pick. Um, so we'll see how Alvin Kamara finishes. All right, so the big difference between you and Heath and me is Le'Veon Bell. Uh, you have him ranked in the top 10. Heath has him ranked at number 11. You actually like Bell ahead of James Conner. Uh, why so optimistic in Le'Veon Bell, and how much does where he signs – keep him in this spot or maybe move him up or down if he goes to a team like the Colts or maybe the Chiefs or an offensive explosive ex, an offensive explosive an offense that has explosion Let's put it that way <laughs> or maybe a team like the Jets or Raiders that are in rebuilding I am I'm working under the assumption that Le'Veon Bell is going to land with a team that will use him very similarly to how he was used in Pittsburgh it just doesn't make sense otherwise now it could happen that a coaching staff will come along and they're going to try and fit a round peg in a square hole but you shouldn't do that with Le'Veon Bell, especially if you're going to pay him anything close to what he thinks he's worth. And he's going to end up taking a deal that's going to be less for what he thinks he's worth, but he's still going to be paid very handsomely nonetheless. That means that he's going to be well in line to get over 1,500 total yards and 10 touchdowns. And there are a lot of running backs that can do that, but he's one of very few that have done that, uh, averaging over 110 yards per game over the last four seasons. I think it's like a touchdown 60% of the time, something like that. I don't have that in front of me. But I know that he's very productive, and he's going to be 27, not going to be too old. I'm not going to take him at this spot in Dynasty Leagues, but I am going to take him at this spot here. A year off of football, fresh legs. I'm going to assume that he's in shape as well. 
and he's going to be in position to rack up lots of numbers, and I want that on my fantasy team. Now, there's a lot that could go wrong. Okay, coaching staff could be a bad fit, like I talked about. He could be out of shape, which could be a real problem. But I, or he can end up in a situation where he's sharing with somebody else. You know, say he goes to the Jets and the Jets, you know, insist on giving uh, Elijah McGuire some work and Trenton Cannon some work. And that would suck. And I don't want to take somebody like that in the first round. So yes, I am open to moving him down, but I'm also open to moving him up. Okay. Uh, I'm very nervous about Le'Veon Bell. Again, I'll change my opinion if he signs with a team that is going to use him close to the same level, but I don't see him signing with a team like that unless they're going to overpay for him because that's kind of why he wanted out of Pittsburgh was he did not want to get that type of workload again, seeing that he wants to get maybe another contract out of this. So I'm just worried about where he's going to end up, uh, along with the fact that we've seen running backs throughout the course of NFL history that change teams and are not the same player, whether it's due to system, talent around them. Again, usually when they're chasing money, they're signing with teams that are worse. So if he goes to a team like the Jets or the Raiders, teams that have a lot of money to spend – I don't think it's going to be a good situation for them because they're going to take away from what their offensive line building rebuilding could be. Uh, Raiders are in a much better situation than the Jets are in terms of their offensive line right now. But quarterback's not exactly great with the Raiders. So I'm just concerned about the overall setup for him. Now, it's not like I have him far. He's just outside my top 12 in the top 15. I would take him in the third round. I'm definitely not taking him in the first round. I would be very hesitant to take him in the second round. Again, if he signs with Indianapolis, that'll change my mind. I don't see him going to Kansas City. I think Miami could be in play if they can figure out the money situation. Maybe Tampa. Uh, but they also have some cap issues as well. There could be a wild card team out there also that we're just not thinking of. Like Dave said, could be a situation where he goes and he's sharing touches. Who knows if a team feels like they're close and that's the one spot that puts them over the top. But I am very nervous about Le'Veon Bell coming back after a year off and being in shape and in the right condition because that's kind of been a problem for him uh, coming into camp the last couple of years. Uh, this year, you know, we know what he was like, but the previous year it took him a while to get going. And that was after not necessarily being in the best of shape. So we'll see. So for me, Bell is somebody who's just outside my top 12, along with Aaron Jones, somebody that I'm interested in. Uh, Derrick Henry, non-PPR. I like the way that he finished the season. I'm excited about what this offense could look like featuring him a little bit. Who are some guys for you that are outside your top 12? Just outside of my top 12 at running back uh, includes guys like Chris Carson, who I think can still keep that main Even role. with Penny there? Even with Penny there. And Sonny Michelle. Even with yep. James White and who knows what else they'll have there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how our... Uh, our rankings look. We'll start to debut that fully uh, right after the Super Bowl. So stay tuned for that, and you know we'll see how the playoffs shake out and what that looks like um, in terms of the postseason runs for some of these teams. Hopefully, there's no injuries in the playoffs. And speaking of the playoffs, let's look ahead now to Wild Card Weekend. There are four games this weekend, as we know, the two teams that are on a uh, two teams for each conference that are on a bye in the AFC. It is the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots. In the NFC, it is the Saints and the Rams. But we have two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. And Saturday starts off with the Colts and the Texans. The Texans beat the Colts 37-34 in overtime in Week 4 in Indianapolis. The Colts got their revenge 24-21 in Houston in Week 14. And so, Dave, how do you see this game going? I think I think Indianapolis is going to have no choice but to throw the football. That's where the matchup is, and it's what their bread and butter is, and I think they'll be successful. They've found ways to put up a lot of points against Houston in both games. Remember that game in OT in week four? Mm-hmm. How it should have been a, an indie win or maybe a tie? It should have been an indie tie. No. Right. An they, indie went, tie. they went for the win and that's what ended up costing them the game. And then Houston ended up winning and that kickstarted Houston's like big run. Here. Nine games they, in a row. Right. They won nine games in a row. I, I, I'm worried about, to me, the biggest factor is going to be the Colts getting pressure on Deshaun Watson because that offensive line hasn't looked great 
the last couple of games. Well, everybody gets pressure on Deshaun Watson. And and I think that the Colts are going to be able to do that. And I think that'll I think that'll be the difference in the game. And it'll be in stark contrast to the pressure that Houston gets on Andrew Luck. I think that offensive line is going to be up to the task. Ryan Kelly's going to be back at center. He's not going to be at 100%, but I think he'll be better than what they had there. That offensive line basically will be as close to full strength as it can get. And I'm going to trust Andrew Luck. I think he's going to have a monster game. I think T.Y. Hilton has a big game. He does every time he goes up against Houston in Houston. I think last seven games there, he's got seven touchdowns and 933 yards. That's what it is. 41 catches, 933 yards, seven touchdowns. Yeah, past five games. Seven career games. Past five games against Houston overall, he's got 30 catches for 618 yards and three touchdowns, at least 115 receiving yards in four of those. So, yeah, uh, T.Y. Hilton should be fine again as long as he's 100% healthy, which he seems to be playing at less than 100%. Yep. That has not mattered. A couple new, a couple notes on these uh, players in this game. Uh, Andrew Luck in the two meetings against Houston averaged 34.5 fantasy points. Deshaun Watson at 27 points. So both guys put up good numbers overall in the two games. A lot of that was heavily weighted in the overtime game when they first met, but still put up good numbers overall. Uh, Marlon Mack missed the first game in Houston when he was battling through the injuries to start the season. And he had nine PPR points in week 14 against Houston. That started a four-game scoring streak for Mack to close the season. So he comes in scoring a touchdown each of the last four games. Uh, for him, uh, Lamar Miller on the other side, he had 19 combined PPR points against the Colts in two games. He scored 15 PPR points against Indianapolis in Week 14, uh, along with T.Y. Hilton. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins puts up good numbers. Do you know that he had 115 catches on the season with no drops? Yes, he made, I saw he, that. He made everybody well, well aware of that, and uh, it's an amazing <laughs> stat, and as great as DeAndre Hopkins is. Uh, he scored a touchdown in three straight games against the Colts. One of my favorite DFS plays this week is Dontrell Inman. He's got nine catches for 123 yards yep. and two touchdowns on 11 targets in his past two games. Uh, he did not play against Houston, however, in both games this year. He is also dealing with an injury situation just to keep an eye on, but clearly he has been the second guy for the Colts over the last couple of weeks. So you have the Colts winning this game? I have the Colts winning. Okay, me as well. Uh, the Texans, I believe, are a two-point home favorite, so we'll see if uh, uh, they hold serve at home as the number three seed. In the playoffs, the Colts, as we know, snuck in as the number six seed. Uh, the other game on Saturday is Seattle at Dallas. The Seahawks beat the Cowboys 24-13 in Seattle in week three. How do you see this game going? I think both of these teams are going to have the same game plan of running the football and uh, leaning on on their offensive lines, which both have been very good for the respective teams. Dallas's line should be, uh, again, like Houston's or like Indy's, as close to full strength as possible. Seattle might be without J.R. Sweezy, but I think they can still overcome with that. But I think Dallas's defense is just better. The corners have been playing better. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch has been great for their run defense. Tyrone Crawford sounds like he's got a chance to play in the game. I think that their defense makes a, a difference here. And I think Dallas sneaks away with a win. I don't think it'll be particularly um, a, bl- a blowout. I think it's going to be a pretty close game. could be like a four-point game, 24-20, something like that. Uh, I would look at the running backs to have a good game. And I think there's a chance that Amari Cooper could have a big play on a catch and run. Yeah, he's uh, he's been struggling of late coming into this. Uh, he's scored eight PPR points or less in three games in a row. Targets have been down, and you know you can't really say that they rested their guys in Week 17. I know Cooper didn't play a full game, but Dak Prescott played a full game, and that certainly did not help Amari Cooper's numbers. He's helped been, Blake Jarwin. Helped Blake Jarwin. Helped Cole Beasley. Both guys had big games in that uh, game against the Giants. Uh, but Cooper struggling. But I see it the other way. I see Seattle winning this game. Um, I think it comes down to they're very similar in style and approach. Mm-hmm. Both want to run the ball, dominate time of possession. Obviously, Dallas's defense is a little bit better than Seattle's right now. 
But I lean toward quarterback and coach in this scenario, and I think Russell Wilson's in a much better place right now than Dak Prescott. I don't care about what he did in Week 17. I'm glad he got confident. It doesn't really matter <laughs> going into the playoffs. Russell Wilson is more tried and true. And Jason Garrett, as we know, tends to make some coaching blunders. I think Pete Carroll has the edge there, as even though he's had some coaching blunders of his own, as we're well aware, in the postseason on the one-yard line. A um, couple notes. Notes on this game, uh, in that first meeting, Russell Wilson, 19 fantasy points against Dallas in week three, uh, but no Doug Baldwin, who was out for that game. Dak Prescott, only 10 fantasy points, but again, no Amari Cooper. Uh, Chris Carson outscored Ezekiel Elliott. He had 20 PPR points. Elliott only had 14. Um, and then you look at the receivers in this game, as I mentioned, Amari Cooper struggling a little bit of late, eight PPR points or less than three games in a row. Baldwin, 23 or more in two of his last three. He did not play well against Arizona in week 17. But Tyler Lockett has sort of caught fire again. He's got 17 PPR points. Thir- I'm sorry, 13 PPR points in each of his last two games. He had 17 PPR points against Dallas in that week three meeting. So we'll see. And as Dave alluded to, Blake Jarwin's coming off a monster three touchdown game against the Giants. But I don't know how many people can actually buy into him being that consistent. As we've seen, he tends to disappear after we buy into him. I'm not going to rehash some of the end of the season performances. Thank you, Blake Jarwin. Um, Sunday's games, you have the Chargers at the Ravens. The Ravens beat... The Chargers 22 to 10 in Los Angeles in week 16. How do you see this game going, Dave? I think the Chargers defense is too beat up to compete with Baltimore's biggest strength, which is running the football. They lost to Tavis Brown to an injury that's going to keep him out of the playoffs. So that's three defensive starters in the front seven that are out for LA. I, I think that's terrible timing for them. They're on the road for the third time in four weeks, including back to back games. I think Baltimore is just going to continue to do what they did to them before and, Lean heavily on Gus Edwards. Lean heavily on Kenneth Dixon, who's had, who had a lot of explosive runs last week. Uh, I, I don't think Gus Edwards is a slam dunk to be the best running back for Baltimore in this game. And I think Lamar Jackson, he's talking like he wants to get his receivers more involved. I'm not buying it. I, I think that that's kind of a uh, in-case-of-emergency plan for Baltimore, that they, they want to have Lamar Jackson throw 25 plus times. I think they're going to keep it real simple and I think they're going to be able to get away with it because that defense has been playing so well for the Ravens. The Chargers are going to, they had a hard time with them offensively when they played at home. Now they're on the road. I think it's going to be tough for Phillip Rivers. He doesn't have a great track record playing on the road in the playoffs. I'm going to go with the Ravens. I think it'll be very similar to what we saw back in week 16. I think they'll win by at least a touchdown. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a tough performance for Rivers. Uh, he was beat up. Numerous times. Now, Pete Prisco Drink thinks that having seen this defense once before, that the Ravens, that the Chargers will adjust offensively. And conversely, he thinks that having seen this offense and how limited it could be from the Ravens' perspective, that Gus Bradley, the defense coordinator there, will adjust. I just don't know if they have the personnel to do it. That's my biggest concern. And plus, playing on the road, early start, I think that's a bad situation for the Chargers. So as great as they've been, their success came predominantly the early half of the season. They've been struggling of late, Phillip Rivers in particular. Uh, he only scored three fantasy points in that game. He's been at 14 points or less in three games in a row. Yeah, Melvin Gordon playing through the knee injury, playing through the ankle injury. He did score a touchdown against Baltimore in that first game, but he was not looking like himself. And then he got hurt in Week 17 again. So it could be a little bit tough. For him, uh, Lamar Jackson's coming off his best fantasy performance. He scored 17 points against the Chargers in Week 16, but he had 26 points against Cleveland. That's a career best for where he's at with his fantasy production. Um, if, for whatever reason, Melvin Gordon's out, Austin Eckler seems to be trending in the right direction. He actually scored in Week 17, but he did not play in that Week 16 game when he was battling that neck injury. You think Kenneth Dixon will be the best running back in this game from the Baltimore side of things? I don't know if I'm willing to write that in ink. 
It, it, I think Gus will probably still get a few more carries, but Dixon was more explosive last week, and I don't think it's a guarantee that uh, it's going to be a 70-30 type split in terms of workload between those two backs. I think you can't use them in daily. Can't use oh, Edwards in daily. I don't, think you could, I don't think you should use Edwards in daily. If you want to use Dixon as kind of a punt play because he's cheaper than Edwards. I think he's more expensive than Edwards. He's definitely more he's expensive. He's not on DraftKings. Is he on Pandle? He's definitely more expensive on DraftKings than him. Who? Dixon? Dixon? Hmm? He's 200 less than Edwards. Are you sure? Looking at it right here. I thought it was 4,200 for, I'm sorry, 4,000 for Dixon and, and 4,200 for Gus. Oh, okay. Maybe I got it. So it's close, but it's just. No, fan, fan uh, If, if I'm going to sure. save $200 and I have to use a Ravens running back, or if I have to use a Ravens running back, I'm going to save the 200 and I'm going to go with Dixon over, yeah, makes over sense. Gus Edwards. Makes sense. I thought it was the other round. Now, um, I don't know what it is on FanDuel. If you want me to check, I will. I'll check right now. Okay. Um, yeah, Dixon's coming off a much better game. In that week 16 matchup, though, Edwards 11 PPR points, Dixon just four. I believe he fumbled in that game. I don't think he lost it, but I think he fumbled. Um, so we'll see how he does. But, yeah, he's he's got the higher ceiling. It's just a matter of, you know, how much work he will get. Uh, Edwards is more expensive on FanDuel as well. By how much? Uh, he's 7,200 and Dixon's 6,800. So, yeah, if you want to save the money, go with Dixon just based on what we saw in Week 17. Uh, Keenan Allen, 10 PPR points against Baltimore. That was the game where he came back from the hip pointer did not look right. Hard to trust him in this matchup. Also, if you're talking about daily play, and then Hunter Henry, we'll see. As Dave alluded to, could be on a snap count if he does is he, return. Is Hunter Henry at the cheapest possible price on Fandle? Because on DraftKings, he's bottom barrel, 2,500. Perfect punt play tight end. If if you're going to go big everywhere else and you don't want to go with Ebron at tight end, uh, Hunter Henry. Might as well, man. What the heck? Another option in this passing game, and you know that the Ravens have been up and down against tight ends all year. He's forty nine hundred dollars. Okay, so, that is, so not quite the cheapest. What's the cheapest tight end on Fanduel? It's 4, like four thousand, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so we'll see how Hunter Henry performs. Again, I'd probably take a wait and see approach, but as Dave said, if he scores or gives you some good production at the cheap price, not a bad idea. Uh, Philly at Chicago is first time these two teams have met. Trubisky's been a little bit tough to trust of late uh, as well. well I'll, I'll get into that a second, but how do you see this game going, Dave? I think Chicago dominates with their pass rush and defense, and whatever. Whatever issues Trubisky has that might keep the Bears' offense a little limited, they can make up for with great defense and good running. Jordan Howard's been running really well. They really got going last week against Minnesota. Three touchdowns between Howard and Cohen on the ground combined. I, I think the Bears kind of stick with that simple game plan against Philadelphia. And, you know, we've seen it from Nick Foles before. When he's flustered, he's terrible. And my guess is the Bears are going to blitz the snot out of him. That'll keep Philly real limited offensively. And I think the Bears win by at least nine points. Point uh, point spread is uh, six points for Chicago, so that would be uh, them carving. I think Philly keeps it close just based on their offense and the secondary issues. Eddie Jackson, I don't think he's going to play for the Bears, so we'll see how that goes. The receiving core for Chicago, we'll see how healthy they are. So I do think Foles will keep it close, but I do think it's going to be low scoring and the Bears do win. Uh, Trubisky, 16 fantasy points. More than 16 fantasy points just once since week 11. He did miss two games over that span, but he has not been playing at the level we saw earlier this season. Foles dealing with that injury to his ribs and his chest. Uh, he has 56 fantasy points in his last two games. A lot of that was what he did two games ago with 38 points, only 18 points in week 17 at Washington, but he did get hurt in that game. Uh, Tariq Cohen has scored 12 PPR points in four of his last six games, and as Dave alluded to, Jordan Howard running much better. He has either 100 yards or a touchdown in four games in a row. Alshon Jeffrey, 51 PPR points in the three games with Nick Foles. Nelson Aguilar, 43 PPR points in his past two games. So those two guys have obviously benefited 
with the way Nick Foles has been playing. Now, one thing to keep an eye on is Mike Wallace could play uh, after coming back off injury reserve with that ankle injury. He was eligible to play in Week 17. The Eagles opted to keep him out, but he could return for this matchup against Chicago, which would give them at least the semblance of a deep threat, maybe a little bit more so than what uh, Nelson Aguilar had been doing, and then we'll see what Golden Tate does. And then for uh, the Bears with Trey Burton, uh, one game with more than eight PPR points in his last seven outings. He has not performed to the level I think any of us would have hoped. So uh, I'm agreeing with, agreeing with Dave that the Bears win this game. I just think it'll be a little bit closer, but we shall see how it goes. It is the biggest point spread of the four games this weekend. Everything else within two points. This one is at six points. Um, so playoff challenge is something that a lot of people play. They're very, very different formats. Uh, there's one on NFL.com that you can look at. There's ones that are done privately. I'm in two different ones. They're completely different scoring. Uh, we have a couple emails in regard to this. So I want to address this just to see if we can maybe help these two guys. And then we'll go over some of the playoff challenge rankings that I have done. Dave can certainly differ on the way I have it ranked. Uh, this one comes to us from Zach, uh, from a town in New England. Let's go with, uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Dear Ford, Bernard, Arnold, and Teddy. Ford. Presidents? I don't know. Who knows? Who, who would the Arnold be? Who would the Bernard be? I don't know. Um, I hope you all had wonderful <laughs> holidays. Thank you for all your help this season. I participate in the playoff challenge where you draft once before the playoff start, and then it's simply total points scored for the players you drafted. No waivers, lineup setting, matchups, etc. As a result, prognosticating is crucial to success in this format. I was wondering if you discussed this or similar formats at any point on the podcast this week. Appears to be a Westworld reference. Westworld. In the email. Okay, there you go. So he has to make his playoff decisions now, how he thinks it's all going to play out. And as I explained in the column, I'll tell you here, I've said it numerous times when we talk about the playoff challenge, the biggest thing you can do, the most important thing you can do, is to map out the playoffs yourself. How do you think this is all going to unfold? Who gets the Super Bowl? Because most of these situations, it is total points. And so who is going to play the most games typically gives you the chance to accrue the most total points. You want to clearly get hot with a wild card team that could reach the Super Bowl to give you four games. Three games would be ideal. You should be able to get two games out of the teams that you pick. Otherwise, you're picking wrong. And then the teams that are one and done are going to hurt you. So in this situation, you got to just figure out, Zach, who you think is going to make the Super Bowl? Who do you have in the Super Bowl, Dave? I got the chalkiest Super Bowl pick that you can make. Both one seeds, Saints and Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I'm going to stick with my preseason prediction, which I am lucky enough that they're still alive. It's Saints-Patriots. Um, I could cl- easily see the Chiefs getting there. I could see the Rams getting there. I mean, these are you know four great teams. It would not be a surprise if any of the wildcard teams you know playing this week get there. The Colts are as hot as any team we've seen. Uh, Seattle or Dallas, you know, with how they run the ball. Baltimore with how they play. You know, I could see them getting there, but I'm going to stick with my preseason prediction of uh, Saints-Patriots. And then you just if, have you, to- if you had to pick a wildcard team, Colts. I'll pick the Bears. I'll say the Bears have the best yeah. chance because of their defense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, no surprise if any of those teams make it there. It's, it, look, it's been one of those years where there's been a lot of surprises, a lot of twists and turns. Two teams that started off, you know, the Colts one and five, the Texans zero and three, and they both are in the playoffs playing each other. So, uh, would not be a, a, a surprise to see any of these teams get to the Super Bowl as we saw with the Eagles last year as well with a backup quarterback. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing you got to figure out, Zach. Uh, for me, I would be heavy. You know, if there's no um, limitations on how you can set your lineup in terms of um, a certain amount of players per team. I try and go heavy on Saints. Breeze, Kamara, Thomas would be three guys in my lineup. I'd probably go with either Julian Edelman or Tyree Kill or maybe both. You know, hedge your bets there with the two top teams in the AFC. Um, 
you know, I, I probably go chalk a tight end and go Travis Kelsey if you can, just because again, I think they're guaranteed at least the AFC championship games. So you're getting two games out of them. So that's kind of how I would approach it. Um, you know, if you want to be different, you know, again, maybe you lean toward the Bears or the Ravens in terms of a defense. Um, Andrew Luck, T.Y. Hilton, those guys at, at the skill spots, Zeke or Chris Carson, you know, those two guys can get hot. So I think that's kind of the way you have to approach it. Um, from that perspective, we have another playoff challenge email. Um, this one comes to us from, oh, we, uh, where is it? Anmol. Anmol. Anmol wants to know, uh, it's a pool, he's in a pool where you get to select two quarterbacks, two wide receivers, two running backs, two tight ends, two kickers, and two defenses. They must be one from each playoff team. So you have to have at least every playoff oh, team. Oh, wow. Covered. So you, you only get one player per team, right? There's six positions, and you have to pick two of each. And there's 12 playoff teams, and you have to have one from each playoff team. Right, but yeah, I, I guess you could probably have, let's say, if you went two running backs on the same team. I don't think you can because you've got to, it says you need to select two quarterbacks, two receivers, two running backs, two tight ends, two kickers, and two DSTs. That's 12 players. And there's 12 playoff teams. And then it says in bold underline must be one player from each playoff okay. team. Yeah, it makes sense. All right. So six points for passing touchdowns and half PPR. Mahomes, Breeze, and Gurley are pretty much chalk. So any strategy or players to target here? So I think you got to, he's, he's looking at receivers who will go the farthest. I think you got to go with Tyreek. But then if you go with him, then you can't go with, uh, so let's say you go, Mahomes. you go, you go Michael Thomas and Tyreek Hill. If he's leaning on receiver. But then I can't have Mahomes or Breeze at my quarterback. See the, the predicament that you're so in? So then you don't, so, okay. And you can't use Kelsey then if you go Mahomes. Correct. So I would, I would probably prioritize Kelsey over Mahomes personally. Just to have that tight end spot locked up. Yeah. Cause he's so, so, he's so far and away the best tight end in the playoffs. Cause I don't think Zach Ertz is making a long playoff run. Okay, so then if you do that, which Saint do you pick? Do you pick Breeze or do you pick Camara? I would probably go... Because Kel- I think I know which Bear you're going to take. I'm taking the defense. Yeah. Okay, Bears defense. I'd probably go Ravens defense. Okay. Punt on that because that's their best options. I mean, you could go Justin Tucker a kicker too. So if you I really would go, to. I would go Kelsey at one tight end spot. Mm-hmm. I'm going to punt on kicker too. So can't use Mahomes. Quarterback would be Goff would be one. You could use Goff. I think I, I think I would get Breeze in my quarterback spot and lose Michael Thomas and Tyreek Hill. Uh, you mean Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara? Are you using Kamara at running back? So Goff, six points per passing touchdown, half PPR. Okay, so let's say Goff and Breeze, <laughs> wide receiver. I'm going to take Edelman at one. And you say Kamara at one running back? No, we already used Breeze. Uh, this is tough. Isn't it? I'm you prob- can't just do this off the top of your head. I'm going to go Elliott and Gordon. I'm sorry, Elliott and Carson as the running backs. And then you're guaranteed one of them in the second round. So Edelman and T.Y. Hilton are my receivers. Okay. Then we have to figure out second tight end, kicker defense. Are, I think we're already putting Jake Elliott into the kicker spot, right? For Philadelphia. Unless you want to use Ertz and go Kelsey Ertz. I don't want to use Ertz. Okay. I, I want a tight end that's going to play a while, and I think that'll be Kelsey. I want that advantage right, over my team. Right, but you need two. Right. So the other tight end spot and the other kicker spot is probably going to be the scrub from playoff teams left over. You know, like Kaimi Fairbairn might end up being my second kicker. And uh 
See, but he. Th- so we've already ruined his uh, situation, though. So I think you got to get rid of. I- I'm going to take Breeze out. I'm going to put Goff and Luck at quarterback, and I'm going to go with Thomas and Edelman as my receivers. Okay. So then that leaves you. So we have Goff, Luck, Edelman, Thomas at the receivers. Running backs are Elliott and Chris Carson. Tight end is Kelsey and. You need a Raven. No, we have the Ravens defense and the Bears defense. Okay. So those guys are eliminated. Um, we need a t- Houston. No, we, a Houston player yet? Uh, we do not. So but, it's probably gonna be Fairbairn. Okay, so there's your kicker. With so we need one more tight end. So the well, only, who's missing? Which team is missing from? All right, so we have Goff and Luck quarterback, Edelman and Michael Thomas at receiver, Zeke and Chris Carson at running back, Travis Kelsey at one tight end spot, Jake Elliott and Fairbairn. The Bears and the Ravens defense. So we're missing the Chargers. So we're going to go Hunter Henry. Is that? Yeah. The... No, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to put Ertz at the tight end spot just with the chance that they upset the Bears. And I'm going to put Badgley at the kicker. Not bad. There you go. There's your uh, there's your lineup that took us two hours to get to. Um, I like that. That is a really fun. that that is a playoff challenge. Yep, there's, there's lots of different formats for it. And so. I'm going to give you my rankings, uh, how I did it on the site. And this is based again on PPR scoring with total points being the idea. Um, I have the playoffs going as we talked about with today's games, the Colts, uh, Seahawks, Bears and Ravens winning. I have the Rams. I have all basically all four top seeds advancing to the championship games and then the Patriots. And Saints advancing to the Super Bowl. So I have the page. I don't have any team playing four games. I have only the Patriots and the Saints playing three games. So my quarterback rankings are Patrick Mahomes one, Rogers two. No, I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at the wrong thing. I'm looking at, uh, you're looking at 2019. I'm looking at my 2019 rankings. Sorry. Yeah, I was um, about to say, how did Aaron Rodgers get into the playoffs? Yeah, he, uh, he, he got traded. Um, so my quarterback rankings are Drew Brees one, Mahomes two, Brady three, Luck four, Goff five, Russell Wilson, 6. Lamar Jackson, 7. Trubisky, 8. Deshaun Watson, 9. Rivers, 10. Prescott, 11. Nick Foles, 12. I think the only ones you'd probably disagree with in terms of dramatically, you have Prescott winning the game, so you probably have him higher than Russell Wilson. Yes. And then maybe Trubisky, because you said you think the Bears can make a playoff run, maybe higher than number 8. Uh, but you have the Texans losing, you have the Chargers losing, and you have the Eagles losing. So those guys are all at the bottom. I'd probably put Mahomes at one. I, and I totally understand that. If you think that the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl, Mahomes should be the number one quarterback, and Brady should probably be a couple spots lower. At the running back position, I have Camaro one, Gurley two, Damian Williams three, James White, Sony <laughs> Michelle four and five, again PPR, yeah. Marlon Mack six, Chris Carson seven, Ezekiel Elliott eight, Tariq Cohen, 9. Mark Ingram, 10. Jordan Howard, 11. Melvin Gordon, 12. I'm just going to go through the relevant ones. I'm just marveling at Damian Williams being third on any list. Gus Edwards, uh, 13. Lamar Miller, 14. Darren Sproles, 15. Josh Adams, 16. Kenneth Dixon, 17. Austin Eckler, 18. Mike Davis, 19. Naheem Hines, 20. If Damian Williams is a monster um, run in the postseason, could he possibly end up being that guy for Kansas City next year? I would assume they're going to draft someone. There's not a very good class of running backs. Just no, but whatever the stars, they can find in the third round. Sure. Or they may sign some. You know, look, there's going to be guys like Tevin Coleman, which would be fun there. Uh, TJ Yeldon, you know, guys that are pass catchers that kind of fit their mold that don't necessarily need a lot of touches. So they can be, you know, looking at those guys cheaply in the same contract range that they signed. Damian but you're Williams. not you're not looking at them making a splash at running. Back. I do not. And see I them think signing that's I think that's right. I don't think they spend a first round pick on a running back. Right. Probably not even a second round pick on a running back. 
and I don't think they spend a ton. Like you'd have to spend a lot to get Tevin Coleman. I think he'll. Uh, well, well it's a relative term. We'll relative see. to I say think, that you'd have to spend a ton, but I I think you know just looking at it um, uh, from the standpoint of Le'Veon's going to set the market, but Damian Williams always already gave us what the floor could be. You know, about four million dollars a year. For, yeah. Like that's where Tevin will come in higher than right. that. So we'll see. And, and again, you know, depending on how you see the playoffs going, uh, Dave has Dallas winning. So Zeke would be higher. If you are, uh, believe that, you absolutely should put him in the, probably the top five if he's playing two games. Um, if you don't have the Patriots going to the Super Bowl like I do, you maybe have James White and Sonny Michelle lower. Mm-hmm. Chris Carson a little bit lower since, uh, if you believe that Seahawks will lose this game, totally understand that. And if you think the Bears are going to go a little bit higher, maybe Jordan Howard and Tree Cohen a little bit higher up your rank list. Same thing if you think the Chargers win, Melvin Gordon should be higher. So that's kind of how you have to approach it. Again, this is just my rankings, how we've gone about this. At wide receiver, Michael Thomas is one, Tyree Kill two, Julian Edelman three, T.Y. Hilton four, Woods five, Doug Baldwin six, Brandon Cook seven, DeAndre Hopkins eight, Tyler Lockett nine, Amari Cooper ten, Keenan Allen eleven, Alshon Jeffrey twelve, Allen Robinson thirteen, Josh Reynolds fourteen, Ted Ginn fifteen, Taylor Gabriel sixteen, Sammy Watkins. I'm assuming he's going to play by the time the playoffs come at seventeen. Uh, Chris Hogan eighteen, Dontrell Inman nineteen, Nelson Aguilar twenty. Uh, so again, it's it's kind of the same thing. Uh, I assume Dave would probably have Amari Cooper higher than ten. You know, just playing yes. playing multiple games. Um, do you have the Rams winning a game, beating the Bears? I haven't decided yet. Okay. So I'm you, not, I don't think either of them can beat New Orleans in New Orleans. So you don't have them. So I haven't more figured that out. So. I, I, it wouldn't, I might lean towards Chicago. Okay. So then you're not going to be as high as I am on Woods at five and Cooks at seven. If you think the Texans win, DeAndre Hopkins clearly should be higher than eight and T.Y. Hilton lower than four. Uh, and you probably would have Tyree Kill at number one over Michael Thomas. Is I that would. correct? Okay. Yep. Uh, just, just one note about Michael Thomas at home this season. Averaged 24.4 PPR points in the seven games he played with Drew Brees. Just amazing, amazing numbers that he put up when he was in his building. The tight ends are Travis Kelsey, one. Eric Ebron, two. Zach Ertz, three. Maybe that's something we should have done for... Uh, put Ebron in there? For Enmal is uh is put Ebron over Ertz, and then maybe different quarterback-kicker combination. So that's something to consider, because Ebron could, could play two games, and that gives you good production there. Zach Ertz, number three. Rob Gronkowski, four. Trey Burton, five. It's really just that. I'd rather have T.Y. Hilton than Ebron. Uh, oh, that's true. Two yes. games of T.Y. Yep. over two games of Ebron. No, we took we took Hilton out. We put Luck quarterback, so he has a better quarterback. I'll take two games of Luck over two games of right. Ebron. So you have Kelsey, Ebron, Ertz, Gronkowski, then it gets ugly. Trey Burton at five. Gerald Everett, six. Blake Jarwin, <laughs> seven. Mark Andrews at eight. Benjamin Watson, nine. Hunter Henry, ten. It's just an ugly list of tight ends that are in the playoffs outside of really the top four guys if you want to still put Gronk in that level of Kelsey, Ebron, and Ertz. Hopefully he finishes the season strong, whether he ends up going into retirement or not. Uh, and you can figure out the tight, the kickers and defenses based on um, how I have these playoffs going. You can see, again, the entire story is on the site, cbsports.com. Uh, do you have a lineup for DraftKings, Dave? I do have a lineup for DraftKings. Okay, I'll give you my lineup for FanDuel while you look for yours. Uh, so I have Andrew Luck at quarterback. Chris Carson and Kenneth Dixon at running back. DeAndre Hopkins and T.Y. Hilton. This is just for the wild card weekend. DeAndre Hopkins and T.Y. Hilton at, wide, at two wide receiver spots. I put Cole Beasley as the third guy, just expecting the, the slot receiver to benefit a lot against this Seattle secondary. Eric Ebron at tight end. Dontrell Inman is my flex, and I spent for the Ravens defense because I think they're going to pummel the Chargers offense. I I think Andrew Luck is going to be the most popular quarterback in daily. So, so just to go in a different direction, I've got something with Lamar Jackson as my quarterback. So he's in there on DraftKings 5,800, and that allowed me to go rich at running back with Zeke and Chris Carson. So not only is Anmol going to have both of them in his playoff challenge challenge, but I've got him in my daily lineup. 
Uh, I'm with you on T.Y. Hilton. I'm with you on Dontrell Linman. Nelson Aguilar's 3,800 on DraftKings. Ridiculously low price for what he's given. Five times that value each of his last two games. I think that's stealing, and that's whether Mike Wallace plays or not. Ebron at tight end. Lamar Miller in my flex, and I punted on defense to the Colts. Uh, my DraftKings lineup, I did a similar approach. I have Lamar Jackson at quarterback, Zeke and Chris Carson at running back. I went Hilton, Baldwin, and Inman at run at receiver. Excuse me. Uh, I put Blake Jarwin because he's cheap at 3,300 at tight end. Hopefully let he, what he did last week carries over a little he bit. He might only get two touchdowns this week, Jamie. Uh, maybe. Uh, that would be disappointing. Uh, I went Jordan Howard at the flex and the Eagles defense. I just punted the cheapest option there at 2,200. That was all I had money for. Um, I'm hoping that all the hot hand guys, Lamar Jackson, best game, T.Y. Hilton, his dominance against the Texans, Doug Baldwin, two of his last three, Inman, his last two, Darwin, his last game, Howard, his last four, all those guys carry over to week one. I'm hoping and praying, but it will not happen. If there's one guy that's been cold that you think has a big game this weekend, mine's Amari Cooper. I don't know if you've got one yet, but I think Cooper, especially with Seattle secondary, they haven't been playing great, and they might be banged up a little bit. Shaquille Griffin might not play. I think Amari Cooper could could turn it around. I originally had him in my flex in one lineup. Okay, I know I promised to read some tweets, but we uh, we have a video show that we have to get to, so let's just run through these emails quickly. Uh, John from Philly wants to know, he's in a 10-team, half PPR, keeper league. Two players can be kept, one without any draft picks involved. So uh, the other one, it counts as a 10th-round pick. So his first keeper is going to be Christian McCaffrey. For a second keeper, would you keep Philip Lindsay, Patrick Mahomes, or Damian Williams? He feels like Mahomes is the obvious choice, but he says everyone is telling him that Lindsay could be a great number two running back next season. I'm keeping Mahomes over Lindsay. over Philip Lindsay over Damian Williams. Okay, I'm probably going to keep Lindsay over Mahomes, uh, but we'll see what the Broncos do with their quarterback. I don't have to give up anything to keep Patrick Mahomes on my team, right? That's what this is. One one of these guys counts as a tenth round pick. Oh, yeah, Mahomes. So, so McCaffrey or Mahomes. It's ten team leagues. I'm going to find another quarterback someplace else. I'm going to keep the best running back in Lindsay. Uh, next question comes to us, Rick, from the home of the Bucknell Bison. Where is that? No idea. I'll look it up. Okay. Uh, half PPR, which two should he keep? Tyree Kill, Nick Chubb, Le'Veon Bell, James Conner, or Stephon Diggs? Chubb's a must. And I, I don't know if I'd want to keep Le'Veon long term. I think he'll be great next year. I, I think I would probably drop down to Conner in this case. So Chubb and Conner for me. Uh, it's from Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. I'm going to keep Chubb and Connor. I like Connor better than Bell, no matter where Bell plays next season. Uh, Johnny from the best city on a river. He says it's his biased opinion. Hey, man, guy, bro, and dude. First off, he has to thank Adam to give him the advice to trade Will Fuller for a first round pick. Um, so means the dynasty league. It turned out to be, oh, it is. It turned out to be the 1.1 pick for the 2019 rookie draft in his dynasty league. So nice. he gave up Will Fuller for the number one overall pick in his dynasty draft next year. Adam from his onesie says thank you. <laughs> um, he needs help. He want, doesn't want to botch the opportunity to upgrade his team. Uh, what would you do if you had the 1.1 pick in a rookie draft? He's leaning toward holding off until right before the draft and trading it for later picks or quality players. His league is a 12-man PPR super flex with 28-man rosters. He would say he's weakest at quarterback and tight end and can always use a wide receiver. You can always use wide receiver running back depth. So the, the draft class for next year is not great in terms of running backs and wide receivers. At least no one has stood out yet. that There could to be, be a top 10 pick at wide receiver. Uh, every mock draft I have seen has been nowhere close to the top 15 in terms of the mock drafts. Now, that could obviously change, but just in terms of what I've seen right now, um, not exactly the, uh, the greatest situation. The top wide receivers are the two guys from Ole Miss, A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. The top running backs are Damien Harris from Alabama, David Montgomery from Iowa State. Again, these are just what the... Uh, CBS Sports top prospects are, but none of these guys are considered to be 
top 10 overall picks. They're first round picks, but just not top guys. So I would say if you could trade it, probably try and trade it, see if you can get yourself some other options. But that would be my suggestion. I agree. Uh, Kevin wants to know he can keep five players in his $200 salary cap. He's currently keeping Ezekiel Elliott for $46, James Conner for $6, T.Y. Hill, Tyreek Hill for $15, and Michael Thomas for $18. Uh, the candidates for his fifth keeper are George Kittle for $6, Le'Veon for $43, Mike Evans for $32. Who would you pick out of those three? Kittle. He's the cheapest. Here, Kittle, Kittle. Uh, we got a regulator's email. Andrew wants to know. He's got a commissioner league. Uh, I'll save this one. Um, okay. I'll save the last two because we got to wrap this up. So um, we'll be going again on Monday. I will recap. We will recap our uh, fantasy football mock draft. We'll recap the games from the weekend. Please continue to send us in your emails. Uh, what's the email address again? Fantasy football at cbsi.com. It's only been our email address for the last yeah, 10 years or so. I usually stop listening. I don't talk about it. So. <laughs> Send in your dynasty questions, keeper league questions. Yes, I promise. I promise recipes. we will get uh, we'll get to all the uh, the Twitter questions that you send. And I, I really apologize, but we just ran out of time. So for Dave Rich and I'm Jamie Eisberg. The go best back. part about it was you said that this would be a quick podcast. It was an hour. Na 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 na.